Acts chapter number 19. I'd like to read you the first verse, if you would please. The Bible says, and it came to pass, that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. Verse 10. And this continued by the space of two years, so the church is about two years old now there in Ephesus. So that all that which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jew, Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. That's quite a testimony in two, three years. They've evangelized the entire area of Asia. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs of aprons and diseases departed from them and evil spirits went out of them. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon themselves a call over them which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjourn you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jew, the chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? It's kind of like hitting a guy with your best shot, and he said, I wish you hadn't done that. <laughs> now, some of you folks got halos on your head, don't know what I'm talking about. friend of mine was running a bar. I was trying to get him saved. A little short squatty guy walked in one night and said, I'm going to whip the biggest, meanest man in this place. My evangelistic tour ended right there. <laughs> he was standing at the bar. A fellow weighed about 300 pounds, took a little flapjack, a little flat flapjack. had lead in the center of it, made out of leather. He reached across the bar as hard as he could and hit that little short, squatty guy right between the eyes. That little guy kind of shook his head and said, man, I wish you hadn't done that. The party began. Paul, I know. I've heard of him. Now, Jesus, I know. He created us. But who are you? And the man whom the evil spirit was leaped on them. Now, how does one man leap on seven? This one man surrounded seven leaped on them. They didn't leap on him. They leaped on him. <laughs> no, he leaped on them or something. And overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Do you think maybe that made CNN, B-U-L-L, -L, and F-O-X? 
And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling in Ephesus. News got out somehow. And fear fell upon them and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also which used curious arts brought their books together and burnt them before all men. They counted the price of them found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Shall we pray? Our Father, today we thank you for the attendance. We thank you for each individual, young, old. Lord, I pray today that you'd speak to our hearts, our church, and get us on track, Lord, for winning people to Jesus Christ. Help us to keep the main thing, the main thing. Lord, help us not to be sidetracked with the cares and the woes and the tuggings of this world. And we'll praise you for everything you do. We'll ask you today in Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. Well, amen. It's good to be here tonight. This morning, I want to talk to you this morning about this thought, a church on the run. Jesus said, and I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God's intention for the church is to be an offensive situation, not a defensive situation. God put the church here to change the world, not that the world might change the church. Our culture has changed in America. And I believe with all of my heart, the devil has the church on the run. You take your Bible, if you would please, you'll notice in verse 11, the church at Ephesus is being blessed and God's richest blessings is upon her. The Bible says, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. Aren't you glad Paul's not the miracle worker? He's just the, the fountain through which the miracles and the blessings of God comes. Amen. Notice also, if you would please, the picture of the church in verse 13 and 16 without the power and blessings of God. Watch this. The Bible says this in verse number 13. Certain vagabond Jews. We do not know if they were members in good standing at the church at Corinth. I mean at Ephesus, we do not know that. Some believe that John started the church and he's writing 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John to the church, encouraging the church to get out of the world because if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. That's what he said, isn't that right? He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Is that right? I'm writing that you might know that you know him. And so John is writing to the church at Ephesus. Now Paul has come along and there are believers at Ephesus. The first of the chapter. The number's about 12. And Paul spends about three years with this church at Ephesus. I'm sure it's like many churches. Some folks are sold out and some folks are sold out. 
Some folks are sold out to God. Some folks are sold out to the world. Some folks are sold out to what God wants them to do. Some folks are just selling. Some folks are red hot. Some folks are warm. Some folks are faithful and some folks are not. I do not know what category these seven men fall into, but I know one thing for sure. What is missing is in verse number 17. The Bible says, and fear, fear fell on them all. And then in verse 18 and 20, revival breaks out. And I believe with all of my heart for our church to survive the culture in which we live, we must have revival. For our church to survive, you as a member must have revival. I believe with all of my heart, our homes, our marriages, our children, and our future depends on this country and our church having revival. I'll tell you, it's a mess, is it not? Reminds me of the seminary student laying in the dorm one evening and he had just got away from home and found out that there was hair on his face. And so he cultivated some just under his nose and they called it a mustache. He was laying one evening just relaxing and he fell off to sleep and his roommate said, we're going to pull a shenanigan on him. So they took Lindberger cheese and smeared it all in his mustache. He awakened and said, my God, it smells rotten in here. He got out of bed and ran as quick as he could to the bathroom and he said, it's rotten in you too. He went running out of the house, out in the yard and stayed a while and he said, my God, the whole world is rotten. Isn't it? Watch television lately? Have to change it regularly, do you? Bought a Dodge lately? The whole world is rotten. Are you listening to me? The whole world is rotten. Could I please characterize Christianity in one word? Compromise. Compromise. America is apostate. She has renounced her Christian faith. Her churches are carnal. Preaching political correctness and the gospel has become offensive. Our world is in a mess. Saints are scandalous, dishonest in business and dishonorable in their lifestyle. Our services are secular. Emphasis are on self-help, psychology, and physical fitness and to the devil with spirituality. You said, you preaching to me? If I'm in your front yard, I'm not yelling at your neighbor. 
Where's the emphasis? Morality is a mockery, ridiculed and inadequate and futile, if you please. In America, we need revival. We need to quit playing at this thing called Christianity. We need to quit playing at this thing called a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to quit playing and get serious with God. The average Christian is like the man walking his dog down the street and he meets a friend and his friend says, say, I didn't know you had a dog. He said, oh yes, I've had this dog for years. Well, what kind of dog is it? He said, it's a police dog. And the man said, well, that thing don't look like no police dog to me. He said, of course not. He's in the secret service. (laughs) We got a lot of secret service Christians camouflaged, sneaking up on the devil on the blind side. Boy, how we need revival because the church of the Lord Jesus is not charging. They're retreating, bless your heart. We're not storming the gates of hell and snatching sinners from the, from the burning. We are running from hell and hell is winning and we are conforming to this stinking world. You say, well, preacher, this is a Sunday night message. You're never here. Verse 13 through 16, we, we notice something very, very, very unusual. We notice the makeup of the city of Ephesus. The city is totally given over to Satanism, sorcery, and sex. It's the home of the temple of Diana, the god of fertility, fertility the home of hundreds of temple prostitutes who when the lights go out, they come out of the temple and sell themselves for the religious fulfillment. A city known for prostitutes, pimps, Drugs. Sound like Fort Worth, don't it? Human trafficking. Prostitution. Child molestation. Child slavery. Sound like Fox News this evening, doesn't it? This is the kind of city. A culture totally given over to lust and pride and the fulfillment of a sinful nature of ungodly men. And John starts a church there. Walking down the street, I might walk by John's little church of 12 members. And just on the other side of the street, down the way, 200 columns standing high in the air with a magnificent effort that they call one of the seven wonders of the world. We look at John's little 12 and look at this magnificent building and say, boy, what a building. You know John's church still going. And the temple of Diana is nothing but history. 
By the way, that's what you're going to be one of these days. <laughs> Either you're going to spill going or you're just going to be history. Isn't it amazing how we get things all out of culture? And so a culture total given over. And what I see in these verses is that flesh is no match for satanic activity. The secular has no answer for spiritual warfare. Our culture is no longer Christian. Our culture is turning so quickly to satanic. And they have us whooped down, scared to live our convictions. We do it behind closed doors. We don't dare speak out about it. And may I say another degree in behavior modification is not going to fix our problem. May I say to you that education may tell me how to get wealth, but it cannot tell me how to be happy with wealth. Let me help you today. The gods of this world are winning in the struggle for our love and efforts, materialism and pleasurism and secularism and worldliness has begun to take over the love and devotion that only belongs to God in the life of every Christian. Help me please now, if you would please, the church at Ephesus is a heart-wrenching picture of the 21st century church. Look at her, if you would please. Verse 15. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? Does your next door neighbor know that you're affiliated with Paul and Jesus? Does anybody at your workplace have any earthly idea that you know Jesus? You say, but they told me I couldn't say anything at work. You mean you don't say anything all day long? You don't pray when you eat that sack lunch? Nobody knows. Well, you, 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 you got to be politically correct. Really? Now, where'd that idea come from? I'm just saying, let me help you now. Some of you don't look like you appreciate all this kind help I'm giving you. But here's a wretched picture of the church of the 21st century. Verse 16. And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overcame them, prevailed against them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Had the church become overcome? We got a membership of 2,500 folks. The lake won. The rangers won, finally. (laughs) Who's winning in this spiritual battle tonight at 6.30? Whose side will you be on? 
Wednesday night at seven, whose side will you be on? You see, the devil's done leaped on us and the devil's done jumped on us and the devil's crowd has done made us feel guilty and we begin to run and cower down and hide our little face, afraid somebody's gonna embarrass us. God help us. God didn't call us to run. God called us to charge. What's happened to Baptists is there are too many retreats, not enough charging. Amen. One thing about getting old, I won't have to do this long. Notice the Bible said, watch this, leaped on them. Now overcame them. Leaped means he whooped them. And overcome means really whooped. My daddy taught me a long time ago. And my daddy, he wasn't a preacher. He wasn't even close to a preacher. He said, now, son, I want to tell you something about fighting. I said, daddy, I don't want to know anything about fighting. I'm a lover. I was about five years old, I guess. And daddy said, now, son, let me tell you something about fighting. He said, if you whip a guy until you let him loose, he'll always come back. But if you whoop him till he gets loose, he won't ever come back. You know what the devil's trying to do? Trying to get us afraid. Well, we've done our deal. Well, I used to pick up peanuts out of the church yard. But now I'm too old to bend over. In your life, has he prevailed? What are you doing? Charging or retreating? Does God, does the devil have the church on the run? If we get sick, do we call the doctor first or Jesus first? If our wife looks at us and says, is that your nose or are you eating a banana? Do we call a marriage counselor or go to the bedroom and pray? When you're broke, you'd rather pay 9% interest down at the bank or no interest from heaven. He's already got us on the run. Please now, I've got to be quiet. Overcame him. Notice the Bible said, overcame them, prevailed against them, fleeing out of the house, naked and wounded. Oh, is the church look like she's been whooped? Do we have to change our methodology to get people to come? Got to change our music and Put a bunch of folks on the platform called a praise team. Couldn't carry a tune in the bucket if it had two of them in their hand. Sing seven eleven songs, seven verses, the same way. And we got to, we're whipped. We're running. We got to change. Something's happening. We got to do something to get a crowd. No, I tell you what, we just need to start charging hell. We need to start going soul winning. We need to start. 
praying and praying until we get a hold of God and start surrendering because Jesus is coming back. Oh, she's on the run. The church is on the run. On the defense, not offense. Retreating, not retreating in compromise, cowering to political correctness, surrendering to thus, surrendering our message, thus saith the Lord to thus saith the liberals. I want to close. Our condition is no secret. All people have to do walk in our church, sat down and look at the lack of our enthusiasm. You see more enthusiasm at an opening of an umbrella than you do at the average Baptist church on a Sunday morning. Shout, get happy, praise God, sing, never. That'd be embarrassing. And the devil just snickers. And yes, I've got your enthusiasm. I've got your excitement. I've got your joy. I've got everything Jesus gave you and I've stole it and we're going to sit right here and not be moved. The devil's got the church on the run. We are afraid to even express glee, joy, enthusiasm because that's not what Baptists do. Well, who sold you that bill of goods? You know why folk go to the ball game? They enjoy it. Enthusiasm is contagious and so is what you've got. That's contagious too. Amen. Could I help you now? I just want to close this thing as only I can. The condition, I don't know about everybody else's church, okay? The condition of our church is well recognizable by visitors who come. It is recognizable by members who do not come. Amen. There ought not to be anything so important tonight to hinder you from being in your place in God's house. except the culture that you have adapted and the lifestyle you have chosen. My message is threefold and I'm done. Believers must get concerned. Number two, believers must confess their sin of unconcern. Number three, believers has got to separate 
themselves from sin. You can't live in a hog pen without you getting stinky like the hogs. And God don't bless hog pen Christians. You say, preacher, you've just made me mad. Well, since you feel that way, you just made me glad. Because I'm glad I'm not the one mad. Perhaps we probably need to realize that verse number 17 talks about fear. Fear. Fear fell on them all because the young Christians was witnessing what some of the old time Christians, seven renegade Jews, were dallying in. Some of the new folks who had come who were trying to grow in grace recognized some things in their life that if they didn't get out of their life, the God that was taking care of that mess was going to take care of their mess. And fear fell upon them all. You know what it said about Ananias and Sapphira? When God killed Ananias Sapphira at the altar at the First Baptist Church in Jerusalem, fear fell on, and no man joined himself to that bunch. Do you fear the righteous, holiness, judgment of God? Perhaps we need to ask Adam in Genesis 3 if God meant what he said. Or we may go three or four chapters and we stop in Genesis 6 and ask, hey Noah, is God really going to do what he said? Or maybe we could stop over in Exodus and ask Moses, Moses, if you do what God says, Will God lead you and direct you and provide for you? Maybe we could stop off in Genesis 19 and ask Lot. Hey, Lot, how's it going over there in Sodom? Lot, I know she had a new, a new dwelling up there in a the cave. Yeah. Why didn't? Oh, I'm just committing incest for my kids. I really didn't believe God when he said you'll reap what you sow. I just thought I'd pitch that out there for you because it looked like you needed some of that. Because we act as though we're not concerned at all about what's going on. I read that our adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, roameth about seeking whom he may do what? You know what he's wanting to do with your family? You know what he wants to do with this church? Shut her down. 
Are you doing your part to shut her down? The devil is in the devouring business. He's not in the mauling business. He's not in willy willy and walla walla and around. He, he's into killing your kids, addicting your family, robbing you of your virginity, robbing you of everything that's holy, robbing you of everything that's good. The devil is roaming about seeking whom he may devour while we sit around here cowered down, afraid of the devil, afraid of anything, and scared all to death to speak about the Lord. God help us. God help us. We need to get serious about our spiritual walk, about the evil that is around us, about the satanic forces that is about us, about the will of God for us, about the world and this in us, and about the selfish that motivates us, and about the sinner friends who depends on us to get them to heaven if they ever want to go. We need to quit this running business. We need to quit fleeing. The Bible said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's five minutes till. Fear of the Lord prolongeth days. Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Depart from the snares of death. Oh, how we in America need to fear God again. But not only do we need to fear God, We need to fear satanic influences about us. Well, I'll hope the devil, you say, you're a one brain short of an idiot. (laughs) Brains of dynamite, you wouldn't have enough to blow your nose if you think you're going to get it on with the devil. Son. I messeth not, this is King James, I messeth not with the devil. You don't play tootsie with the devil. These guys said, if Paul can do it, I can do it. I've had a lot of folks leave this church said, if Wolfenbarger can pastor this church, I can build a huge church. No, if God doesn't do it, it's not going to get done. Because there's not anybody in this place smart enough, intelligent enough, talented enough to do what's been done in this place in these 32 years. Nobody around here except God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And for you to think that if they can do it, I can do it. These Jews said, Watch me. I can do it. You know what? They tried and they failed. I'm concerned about my grandkids. I'm not going to give the devil a clear shot at my family. I'm going to fear God and I'm going to fear the devil and I'm going to stay on my knees and I'm going to stay humble. I'm going to ask God not to let me go through this kind of mess with my family. And you folks who can stay home tonight and watch as the world upchucks and the world turns and just turn your kids over 
to the devil and his imps? I don't know. You're short somewhere. Because we need to fear God and fear our adversary, the devil. We need to confess our sins. The Bible says, the wise man said, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh shall have mercy. Jesus said, be not afraid of them that kill the body. And after that, have no more they can do but fear him who's able to kill the body and cast your soul into hell we need to get concerned we need to confess our sins and we need to turn separate ourselves from those sins that damn us and rob us of our testimony. Somebody told me years ago, I'm done. Somebody told me years ago, preacher, the outside don't matter. Only inside that matters. Tell that to a skunk. You know why a skunk is a skunk on the outside? You ain't that stupid. Go ahead and admit it. A skunk is a skunk on the outside because he is a skunk on the inside. Far from the heart flows the issues of life. Out of the heart flows murders and adulteries and fornication and so forth and so on. Let's turn the church around. Amen. Amen. Let's turn the church around by turning us around. And all of God's people said amen. amen. If we'll do that, verse 20, God will take care of the rest. Verse 20, and the word of God prevailed.